You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, I'm Sean Tice, and it's another episode of Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited today to have my friend, Pastor Derek Suttles. Hey, Sean. Good to see you, man. Hey, man. Will you just take a minute and tell us about your ministry, where you're at, and the church you serve at? Absolutely. So we're uh, in central PA in Huntington, Pennsylvania. Uh, we've been here for a little over three years and uh, serving as lead pastor here. Um, I've got a beautiful wife uh, who we've been married for 18 years. Love love her, my best friend. Um, and then we have four kids that the Lord has blessed us with. And uh, so life gets busy. They're all, um, well, our oldest is a senior. Our youngest is in fourth grade. And uh, so we've got a lot of life happening in between those. But um, we're so excited for the opportunity to be a part of this podcast and uh, to be able to to share with your uh, listeners uh, just some encouragement of how God has used this uh, subject in my own life and give me opportunity to minister to others who are going through the same things. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much. I mean, we've we actually were <clears throat> still traveling in our RV then. We stayed at your church, and that's when we I think that's when we first found the. Uh, the problems that we were dealing with with our yeah. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I'm not, I'm not really going to talk about that. But anyway, so we'll talk about fatherlessness. But anyway, yes. um, so we, we went to your church, shared our ministry, and you're you're located uh, real close to where I grew up. Um, you're in the market. I spent a lot of time on this, but I grew up in Blair County, Pennsylvania. You're in Huntington County, which real close. We used to play your yeah. your church, your, your Christian school in soccer, and so it was it was cool to go to your church. But then I didn't expect when we went to your church that we you and I would form a bond. And a lot of that bond came from, I think, from our background, probably. Yeah. Um, obviously, our, 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 you know, our president, where we're, we're in ministry, we're doing ministry, yeah. we, things like that. But we also had a bond because we both grew up fatherless. And, right. and, I, and I, that's why I feel like you and I have a connection. One of the main reasons we have a connection, because we grew up with like that. We understand each other. Um, right. and, and sometimes it is hard to understand. So would you take just a few minutes and share your story of fatherlessness, of how you grew up, and, and anything you want to share about that? Absolutely. Um, so what I would say is there is nothing in life that has impacted me more than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I have a relationship that has been redeemed, or reconciled, restored with God through the finished work of Christ is awesome. And that touches my life every single day. Um, being a, a husband is that second greatest aspect that touches every aspect of my being. Being a dad it's one of those things. But right up there is the idea of fatherlessness. And it's impacted me more than I realized initially. Um, and it continues to impact me even today in just different ways. And I felt like it shows up often, um, which is why we do need to talk about it. And um, so my story is uh, probably not too unsimilar to a lot of people, unfortunately, today. Um, my mom met my biological father. Um, actually in a Bible college. Uh, his parents were on staff there. Um, they got involved in a physical relationship and she got pregnant. A um, lot of pressure there because obviously you make the families look bad and all those things that go along with that, the shame, the guilt. Um, but my mom was rock solid and she was not going to in any way, shape or form give me up um, for abortion or adoption. Um, her dad, uh, kind of, that was a shotgun wedding error and he forced them to get married. Um, that did not work out well. And, um, my biological father, uh, was young. Um, he had already had one other child out of wedlock. 
Um, and so this was just another one of those things that uh, kind of piled onto the story. And so I don't know all the reasonings, but bottom line was, is that within three to six months of the beginning of my life, he walked out and uh, was not ever a part of my life. Uh, my mom raised me as a single mom for the first eight years of my life. And I remember so often how she would work two and three jobs and and do whatever she could to help provide. We lived with my grandparents uh, during that period as well. And so uh, that was a big part of my formation as well, having my grandmother as a part of my life and having my mom's two brothers kind of as the father figures in my life at that time as well. And so um, that was a, a tumultuous journey. Um, my mom remarried when I was uh, eight years old, and he had come from a difficult background. Uh, he's a good guy. God has blessed our relationship. I love him. I call him my dad. Um, but it was not easy for either one of us early on. Uh, his father was a drunkard. His father was not very loving, not very kind. And so trying to establish his leadership in our home um, oftentimes irritated him. And I'm sure that I was a source of that irritation. He wanted to be a dad, but didn't know how to be a good dad. And so we wrestled a lot. And there were things that happened that were just completely uncomfortable and and difficult. But again, God's grace has covered all of that. So we don't need to like stay there. Um, but that was kind of my um, introduction to this idea. I was an at-risk kid. Um, I didn't know everything that, that meant, nor could I have verbalized all the things that I felt. But there were serious things happening in my heart that, that I just did not express. For instance... And I don't think this is uncommon, and I, I I don't talk about this a lot, but as a kid, I was a bedwetter. And looking back now, as as psychologists, psychiatrists have learned, that is is a sign of emotional trauma um, that is a consequence of some of the difficulties you go through when you can't express or verbalize outwardly some things that happen inwardly to the body as a result of stress. And so um, a lot of those things accompany my life and, and a lot of challenges, but God has used so much of that to open doors, which I'm so thankful for. That's that's a such a great story. And the fact that you shared your bedwetter, hey, I'm 38. I'm willing to admit it too. You know <laughs> and I, and well, it's interesting. Let me clarify, not that. anymore. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I was too. I was too as a kid. And I, but it's right. interesting you say that because I had I had a lot of trauma too. I, you know, my dad left and then you know, there's a lot of fear we live in, growing up in the house we grew up in. Just the house that we lived in was kind of it felt unsafe a lot. Um, and then right. I moved in with my grandparents whenever I was, I was seven. And then my uh, my mom moved into another house with another guy. And so I, there was that absence there. And so that's probably why I, I was. And so just as yeah. you said that, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 38. I don't care. I'm willing to admit that I <laughs> was a bedwetter when I was young. So, right. But that that is an interesting statement that you made there because there was a lot of, of trauma and struggles right um now now unpack so so how long was it between the fact that your your parents parents got divorced and then your mom got remarried how far what was the yeah so so that would have been uh right at eight years um because i was uh yeah i guess it would have been eight and a half close to nine years old when they got married they got married in august um and I, i'm not there was anywhere so uh, a lot of time established really between um that time for me and my mom to grow a close bond. Um, and so, you know, it's just one of those things that has residual effects because you're so close to your mom. Uh, your mom still desires companionship from a man and then bringing that man into a dynamic of 
what you have made is functional through the years and now yeah. trying to incorporate a brand new piece. Um, it's just hard. It's just hard all the way around. Even if you have someone that's really godly and knows what they're doing and loving and kind, um, there's still a lot of friction because of the dynamics that you're putting in together in one place. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Now, now tell you about your dad. Let's, go, let's unpack uh, that a little more. So how, did you, do you have a relationship with them? What, tell, tell us more about that. So he, yeah. he got divorced. How old were you again? How old were you okay, again? So, so I would have been somewhere between three and six months. Um, so I literally never met him. Uh, I have never heard my biological father's voice. And the first time that I ever saw him face to face was when he was in his casket. Um, interesting story there is I got, um, I got married in July of 2004. And uh, that was always a big thing for my wife because she knew how much it impacted me. And she's like, well, why don't you just try to find out where he is and who he is and and just get an idea of some of these things, just try to make contact. And I was very protective of my mom. Um, I did not want to hurt her. I did not want to violate her trust or make her feel that somehow I was missing something that she wasn't giving all those years. And so I really um, scoffed against that idea. I thought, no, I just don't want to hurt her. But at the same time, the, the impact it had on me, because anytime we watched a movie or something mentioned about an absentee father, I was in tears. I mean, I just, as a, as a man, a grown man, broken because something inside me was broken and I couldn't express it. But when it was touched on, man, it, it didn't take long to get to the surface. And so um, after a long while, and I'm talking years, uh, my wife convinced me to at least try to make contact with him. So I did do that. I reached out with him through an email and I really just kind of poured my heart out to him. I wanted him to know up front that I am not trying in any way, shape or form to to get money or any sort of retribution for you not being there. I told him how God had provided for us. I told him about my wife, my kids. I wanted him to know, like, I, I really don't want anything from you. I just want to get the opportunity maybe to, to know you. And so um, he did end up responding back um, to that email. And, um, but it was, it was a little bit vague. Um, you could tell he didn't really want to dive into the past at all. And that was okay. Cause I, I wasn't trying to, somehow produce a guilt trip for him or read into anything. I just wanted him to have a platform to kind of let me know his side of the story. And so there was probably about six to seven interactions that we had back and forth uh, through email. And then in that process as well, it actually had connected with my half sister, which was the, the other child that he had before me. Mm. Um, and that's kind of a unique story too, because as a kid, I, I must've been somewhere around 10 or 11 um, I saw a picture on a bookshelf. It actually was in a book. I just happened to pick that book up. And it was a picture of my mom holding me as an infant, my biological dad standing up behind us. And then there was a little girl who was about three to four years old in that picture. And I always remembered that, hmm. but I couldn't ask a question. So I had looked for my half-sister Courtney for a very long time. And so we had connected and that was really a blessing to be able to do that. But after those few emails, I didn't hear back from him. And then uh, she actually called me and said, hey, our dad passed away of a, a massive heart attack. And so 
we never got to have anything more than those few emails that we had. So it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, I'll go ahead and just continue on just a little bit. No, with you're that fine. Story sure. Because yeah, sure. It, it, it is interesting how it developed. And so um, I felt like I should go to the funeral. I wanted some, some closure. Um, and, and when I did, let me just say this up until that point, I really had not struggled with what I would call bitterness. Um, I, I clearly saw God's hand through everything. I trusted him through the process and God had put a lot of men in my life to help me. When I got to the funeral, um, it was really interesting because a lot of the family didn't know me. They knew about me, but when they saw me, there was no, there was no one of his kids and he had four um, wow. that looked more like him than I did. I mean, it was like when I walked in, his wife that he had currently been with um, saw, thought she was seeing a ghost. I mean, it was uncanny how much we looked alike. And so it was really interesting through that process as well, because he had communicated to her that there was something that he wanted to talk to her about, something that was weighing heavy on him um, that he never got the chance to do. And so we talked a little bit about that afterwards. Um, but when the different people got up to speak about him and share a little bit about his life, um, one of the things that hit me was when I was sitting there, they began to communicate how much time he invested in kids that had absentee fathers. And, and I wasn't prepared to hear that because here I am thinking, man, I'm, I'm 36 years old. And you have never one time reached out to me. You didn't even talk to me except for the fact that I reached out to you via email and I've never heard your voice. And now you're investing in all these other kids, but you didn't take one minute of your life to really invest and help me. I, you know, I'm your kid. Um, and so for the first time in all the years that I'd gone through that, I was hit with that truth. And I, I began to wrestle with bitterness and anger in my heart. And I, I had to run back to God and ask him to help me because it was it was crushing. Now I can look back and see here was a man who carried a very heavy burden of guilt, who was just trying in some way to redeem himself from the decisions that he had made by investing in those kids that were hurting just like he had hurt me. And so God gave me grace to be able to see it through those eyes. And and so I don't hold that against him now. I actually think, you know what, I, I can see his heart and what he was trying to do. And I'm thankful that he did because, you know what, those kids, they did need somebody in their life. And he did help some kids along the way. Wow, that's such a powerful story. And I just were reminded of, I saw my aunt. So my aunt, Barbara, is the oldest of my dad's family. And she posted recently, my dad passed away Valentine's Day of 2020. And so uh, it's easy to remember. But I even yeah. forgot it. I, I forgot it because he didn't. He didn't really impact my life. I forgot that he yeah. existed. Um, you know, I forgot because he, right. he left when I was a baby, like you. I was like yeah. nine or ten yeah. months old. And so, but she posted about him dying and how she missed him, and how he was so fun and all these awesome memories. And so it was a little bit hard to hear that. But then I looked yeah. down through the post, you know, because you're just curious what are people are saying about your dad, right. and because you never really get over it, you're it's always this who is this person kind of thing, right? Right. Because um, I met him, I met him a few times. I had that that opportunity. It wasn't great, but I just because yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, he wasn't doing like your dad. He wasn't investing in people and, and things right. like that. Right. He was just you know, living for right. himself. Um, but the one one girl commented. It was his niece, and she said, "Oh, he was." She had like such a good relationship with him, or something, and that kind of even hit me. Just mm -hmm. this was like last week, right. it hit me because I was I was thinking to myself, 
you got to have a relationship with him. You were like, yeah. you were his niece. I didn't get to have anything hardly right. with him. Right. And just in that itself, because I couldn't imagine being at the funeral hearing yeah. that, you know, because I just yeah. saw Facebook posts. But <laughs> being at the funeral yeah. <laughs> and hearing that and getting closure and then right. just being like, man, he invested in other people. That would be really hard. And, yeah. and wrestling with bitterness is, is something that I've struggled with too, where yeah. I feel like I've, I've mostly gotten, you know, over that. I mean, sometimes it does flare up at different times. Right. You know, I'm not, right. you know, I'm a human. But, it took me years to forgive my dad. And so I'm yeah. glad you said that about the bitterness um, side of it, because that is so true. Right. Well, and, and you had mentioned about uh, some remarks that I'd sent to you a little bit earlier. And yes. uh, and I, I, let me just dive into that just a little bit, because what happened was I, I went to watch uh, Life Mark, which is a movie the Kinder Brothers had put out. And they do a lot of great work. And oh, and yeah. and every time I watch one of those movies, I'm I'm hit again with some of these emotions. But and I'm so thankful that a lot of those stories turn out and it's really awesome to see how God puts things together. But in, in some ways, I felt like it's so empty for me because that's not how my story turned out. And it's not always as clean as it is in the movies. And and so as I was thinking about that, um, you know, first and foremost, my mind runs to Psalm 2710. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And and I've got to remember that while my earthly father was absolutely important and, and the biological connection we had is one that was broken, that can't be restored. Um, it doesn't mean that God wasn't there and that God didn't step in and, and that he was not the perfect father all along the way, even when yeah. I didn't recognize it. And so that comforts me. Um, but I, some of the other observations I had after watching that movie were this, is that the hurt of the fatherless runs very deep, but it comes to the surface quickly. And my thought there was, again, just here I am as a 41-year-old, I'm 42 now, um, that there are so many days when a man that I never met or heard his voice can still make me cry, feel anger, insecurity, fear, and many other emotions. And yeah. it's amazing because you feel like you have some of these things tucked away or maybe that you've conquered it, but then something happens. And it's just that quick reminder. And it's amazing how quickly it can come back to the surface. And and again, the idea of bitterness is harboring hurts. I don't want to create a safe harbor for the hurts that are there. I want to run and take those to Jesus. But the point is, is that there are still some consequences from the choices that he made that I experience. And I have to face those and I have to take them to Jesus and run to him, knowing that he cares for me way more than I could ever imagine. And he'll help me through those things. Um, another truth, and I think this was helpful for me to be able to distinguish, and this was the third truth, the fatherless don't have scars, they have scabs. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that it hit me so much is because scars are a product of the total healing. And so when you see a scar, it's a reminder that there was a hurt there, but it shows also that the, that the healing has taken place from the inside out and that it's done. Like that, that injury is taken care of, it's healed up. But scabs are a reminder that the healing is still taking place, but not finished. And, yeah. and that's a good thing for me to remember, because I think a lot of times we want something to happen right away. God's been healing me for a long time, but scabs can be ripped off and the process continues. And so for me, that was helpful um, because I feel like there are times I put a pressure on myself that I should feel a certain way or that I should um respond in a certain way or that I shouldn't feel certain things at this point in my life because that that chapter of my life is closed I'm not fatherless anymore you know what I'm saying yeah. but 
but to understand the grace and patience that's needed, that this is a process of healing and it won't be complete until I stand in the presence of Jesus and the scars of sin are gone and the scabs are gone because I'm complete in him. Uh, and that was helpful. Just real quick, Derek, with that, how do you get, so, and I, and I completely understand and agree with what you're saying, but how do you get past the, where people say, or people would say, well, you're just acting like a victim then, you know, the victim mindset, because you're not as a fatherless individual, you're not, you know, you're not acting like a victim because you're just trying to heal and it's a lifelong process. What would you say about that? So what I would say of that is this, is that a victim is a person that uses excuse for their own bad behavior. And the difference is, is exactly. that this hurt happened to me, but it doesn't define me. And I don't allow the hurt that I've experienced to to be an excuse for bad behavior on my heart now. And that is the major difference between those two. And so I, I'm not a victim. Uh, I'm a yeah. recipient of God's grace in spite yeah. of the difficulties. Yeah. And it's not like yeah. we're choosing to always think about fatherlessness. It's just part right. of our DNA. It's who we are. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I had somebody say to me recently, well, it's not like you basically you you work through it and you get over it and you don't want to talk about that the rest of your life. And that's not how it works. Right. No, I mean, not at all. Even for single moms, it's the same thing. It's not how it works. It's, it's part of your DNA. You know, even Absolutely. if they do get, they get remarried, it's still I was a single mom. I was right. fatherless. It's it's part of who we are, and we're not being victims in it. It's just it's a healing process of renewed um, through God trying to learn how to trust, how, you know, how to learn how to look at God as a heavenly Father and not look at it as an earthly Father. I mean, there's so right. many parts to it, and yeah. I appreciate you saying it. it's like a scab because that is that is right. so true. Well, and I, and let's even go back to the story of Jacob when God met with him and they wrestled. And it, tell, it tells us that, that God touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And for the rest of his life, he halted. Well, he was not portraying himself as a victim because he was still dealing with the residual pain of that encounter, but it was life-changing. It was still part of his story. And God used that. And truly, every time that someone saw him halting or limping along, it was a reminder of his encounter with God. And so that's where we go back to this. When I when I look at this story, it does still hurt, just in the same way that as Jacob was limping along, it still hurt. But would he trade that experience for anything else? Absolutely not. And in the same way, I would not trade the experiences that I went through, even as hard as they were, because of what I've learned and how I've seen God work through it. And so I still limp through life, but that limp is a pleasant reminder of God's goodness and grace in my life through difficulty and hardship. That's good. That's good. Now you're going down through the text you sent to me. Um, let's go ahead and you want to just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. So okay. um, number four was most stories of the fatherless don't end cleanly. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And, and I said, well, I'm so thankful for the stories that do. Most of the fatherless will live their lives with a hole in their heart. And most will never meet. And most will always wonder what if and wrestle with why. And I think that's, again, part of the, the story of, of what happens with us. And, and, and that's where we go back to, okay, in some sense, we are a victim because we didn't choose for our fathers to leave. We didn't choose for the hardships that were attached to that. And so there are times where we wonder, you know, what if they had been there or why did they leave? And we will wrestle with that because it's a natural consequence of sin. But again, the purpose of looking at that is not so much to use it as an excuse for bad behavior, but to say, okay, Lord, 
how can I take this and run to you with it? And how can you use this to let me help somebody else who's going through and wrestling with these same questions? It allows us the freedom and the opportunity to have empathy and not just sympathy. And there's a huge difference between those two. Number five is this, and, and I love this, God will take up the cause of the fatherless. And um, you see that truth throughout scripture. And this is the comment I had. Well, life has been very hard. And I've wrestled with many invisible to everyone else wounds and difficulties and hurts. God has been so very good. I have been blessed beyond measure with an awesome wife and four incredible children. And, and I love that because I feel like the truth is I have experienced the goodness of God in a way that maybe I would not have appreciated if things had been perfect. <laughs> and I'm not yeah. knocking people that have had a good home life. I want my kids to have a good home life. And I don't think that it, it cripples them in any way. But for me personally, I appreciate God's goodness so much more. All of this has been manifested in the desire to be a better husband than what I saw and didn't see by my dad not being there. I want to be a better dad than what I experienced with without a dad and with some of the difficulties early on. Um, and God has used that. And so I love that, that God takes up the cause of the followers. And I feel like there have been times where there have been extra blessings because of my circumstance. Little, little I love yous from God in those specific circumstances. So I'm thankful mm -hmm. for that. Um, and then it, that kind of ties in with um, number six, while being fatherless is a part of my story, it does not define me. And I go back to this idea I've been adopted by God to the finished work of Jesus Christ. I am his son and he is my father. And to have that privilege to be able to call him Abba Father, what an awesome thing because he is the perfect heavenly father. Um, number seven, being fatherless can make you better. And I mentioned this earlier. I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes as a parent, but I know what I longed for as a kid. And by God's grace, I can be that type of dad for my kids. Um, my kids will never know the same hurts that I have wrestled with. And I'm so thankful for that. Now, real quick on that one. Um, yes. So what was the, what was the difference? What, so how did you, so you're a pastor, you're living yeah, for God. Yeah. You're, I mean, obviously you're not perfect. Not everybody's perfect, obviously. No, but, <laughs> not even close. But, but you're living, you're, you're striving to live for God. You're striving to follow yeah. God. What was the difference in your situation compared to so many other people that become statistics out there? What, what was the thing right. that changed, changed it for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and I can only point back to the redeeming grace of, of Jesus Christ. I, I was on a trajectory to be a stat um, of what the normal at-risk kid's path looks like. Um, when I didn't get saved. I didn't place my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ until I was 15 years old. I had heard the gospel. I knew the gospel. I was in a Christian school, but man, I was one way with my friends who didn't know Jesus and were outside of the Christian school and a completely different way with the kids inside the school. And after I got saved, I had a teacher tell me, oh, I'm so glad that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, because if you had it, it's most likely that you would be in jail or dead right now. And they were right. They were right. I look back at what I was doing and who I was hanging out with. So that that would be one of those things where I would say the other interesting thing is, and, and this is a part of the story, I know we're running out of time, but my biological father was actually a pastor. All of his other kids, with the exception of me, lived together, and I was by myself. So they saw him, they lived with him while he was a pastor. He had been married four or five times. I don't remember now. 
uh, affairs along the way. And all of them, I love, and I, I wish we could have more interaction conversation. They would say that they believe God, but none of them really want to have anything to do with church or any sort of organized religion because of what they saw. So in some ways, I would just say God protected me from what I would have seen. And maybe I would have gone that same way had I seen that type of hypocrisy. Um, so I think that may be the difference maker there. Wow. That's great. The last truth, just quickly, is this, is that men need mentors. And I it is said here, I can't tell you how many men God placed in my life to help me, and I am forever indebted to them. Thank you for taking that first step and investing in me. And the final thought I have is this, most of us who are fatherless have no clue how to communicate all that we feel. So please be proactive in reaching out to us. We really just need to know that someone cares and that our life really does matter. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a huge part. And Sean, you can attest to this. Um, when people don't dismiss you because of your story, um, but they really take interest in you and nobody else did, man, you cling to that because you crave that. That's what you wanted from your dad. That's what should you should have had from your dad. Um, but because you didn't, there's a there's a craving for that. And so when you have someone that loves you and invests in you, it is a difference maker. Yeah, that's so true. And these are such great things. And I remember the, when you text me this, it was back in September. Um, you text me this and it was just, wow. And I showed it to my wife. She's like, wow, that's so powerful. Um, yeah. Because you got all these things from that the movie, you know, just, it's, right. and it's amazing how, because there's so many emotions tied to this with fatherlessness. Yeah. There's so many things that we can't even, like you said in the end there, you can't communicate. Um, and, right. I, and I appreciate how you just you just took it and said that these are the things that I've seen. And I think that's going to help our listeners because sometimes we're trying to help the fatherless. It's hard to understand them. It's hard to understand right. what they're dealing with, what they're going through. So I'm going to share this. If you're okay with it, we already read through yeah. it, but share the list that you sent to me in the, uh, in the notes of the show. Um, but I just think it's so powerful. And you shared your story. It's so such a great thing. Now, tell us going forward. Um, you're So you're at a point now, you, you're... Where are you at in the place of healing from your father's yeah, journey? Absolutely. Man, I appreciate you asking that. Um, God is so good. I, I I will tell you that the key for me is that I do, I immerse myself in God's word. I mm. I realize I'm a pastor. And so maybe, you know, people would say, well, that's your job to do that. But I'm just telling you, I can't, I can't make it through without that. Because the truth is hurt does poke its head through often. And, and like I said, it can show up around any corner every day there's potential to be reminded of the hurts that have happened. And so I have to keep my eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And so the other thing too, is just not so much looking at the past and, and remembering all that has happened as much as looking at what God has done in the present and being reminded of what's in front of me. Um, man, my wife, my kids, they are one of my greatest joys. I, I love being with them. I love seeing what God's doing in their life. I look and think, man, how, God, why have you been so good to me? And I'm telling you, thankfulness is one of the best antidotes to to hardship and hurt that you're ever going to find. And a lot of people find that difficult. Like, how do I say thank you to someone that's hurt me? How do I say thank you to someone that's abandoned me? And I'm not saying in a in a weird sort of way, like, oh, you know, we should just uh, look for people who are going to hurt us and invite them into our lives. But but I can look back and see that God has used that to give me a whole new perspective in life and looking at what I have versus what I, what I should have had. 
man, it just makes me overwhelmed with gratitude for God's goodness in my life. Amen. That's so good. And as we're, you're talking, I feel like later we need to do another episode of um, overcoming fatherlessness and being a husband and being a dad. If you're interested in doing that, I think yeah, that would be, absolutely. I think because there's so much more that we can unpack you know, through yeah. our stories of growing up, and now we're trying to be that. I'm not. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect dad, but yeah. I'm trying to be that dad and husband yeah. to my my wife and kids. And so, would you be interested in doing that? Absolutely, love to do be that. Honored. Future episode, we'll definitely do that. We'll we'll have that conversation. We're, we need to wrap up now. But Derek, would you just tell us how to find you, how to contact you through your church? Tell us about your churches yeah. real quick. How to find you. Absolutely. So our uh, church website is www.hereatcalvary, at is spelled out, A-T, um, dot O-R-G. Um, and you can email me through that. Um, we're also on Facebook, Derek hyphen Katie Suttles. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, Derek underscore Suttles. Um, and that's D-E-R-R-I-C-K-S-U-T-T-L-E-S. Uh, love to connect with people. Um, if you ever want to call me or email me, um, love to be able to help, be a help in any way that I can. Just trying to encourage you because it is hard. And man, we do need people that can uh, know where we've been, but also just point us back to the scriptures and help us get where we want to go. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Thanks for being on with us today. Thanks so much, Sean. God bless you, my friend. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.